Hello and welcome. I'm Haini. I'm not Simon, but I'm Alexander. We are Needy in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 244, recorded on November 7th, 2023. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needypintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. So we have lost Simon again. We have, and uh, this time he decided to take the entire IT systems of KLM with him in the fall. So apparently he uh, went on. So he, he's he's had a pretty good run because apparently the the lunch flight from Linshipping yesterday was stranded due to some maintenance issue. So they oh. had to fly in spare parts with the late plane yesterday. So they they were busy um, repairing the the <laughs> wow. other plane when he left. And when he came to Schiphol, apparently he was not content with just having broken one airplane. He decided to completely bork everything in, in the IT systems of KLM. So, yeah, uh, here's a top tip for you. If he's ever on your premises, do not let him near any Wi-Fi or mm-hmm. Ethernet or anything, because that guy is a menace. It seems that way. Even when he's, like, trapped in a metal box, he still does stuff. You know, taken out of context, that is a kind of a weird statement. Uh, do they make caskets out of wood or, or aluminum these days? Oh no, you took it there, not me. Uh, so it's my fault. Well, yes, that's usually the case. So speaking mm-hmm. of my fault, should we should we dive into um, some some of the news? We will absolutely yes. not be talking about Windows or Intune, uh, and 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 especially not conditional access, unless mm-hmm. you really really feel like it. No. No, I'm fine with the other topics today. That that is that is usually the case. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's, we've been away a while because we uh, went to a couple of, of conferences. We did the wonderful live uh, recordings. I still can't wrap my head around that statement. A live recording, but a recording in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day I'll be able to say that with a straight face. The world has not stood still around us. In fact, there has been a lot of releases and a lot of, of stuff happening and we can't possibly cover it all but some really interesting aspects have come out for power bi and, and synapse and fabric one is deployment pipelines and before you go wait a second we've had deployment pipeline for quite a while and that's true mm-hmm. i mean deployment pipelines were a huge thing when they came out they were and to some extent, still are hampered by the uh, binary format of the PBIX mm-hmm. files. But I was going to say they were a little handicapped. Yes, agreed. The I mean the the idea is is fantastic. It's just a bit meh because of the mm-hmm. way the PBIX files are set up. So a, a CI/CD solution using um, Tim Dolls of TMDL and the um, what is it PBI. S, I can't remember what it. It's not a PBIX. It's the the other PBI something something, the uh, the text version <laughs> that is is so much easier to run through a CI CD. But anyways, mm-hmm. you can now create customized deployment pipelines of finally to 
to 10 stages. Wow. Can you, yes. can you tell me who needs 10 stages? Well, maybe the main point here isn't necessarily the 10 changes, but that we actually have pipelines where you can have the files versioned in a proper way. I think that's the main point here and that you can have customized pipelines because like coming from the DevOps background, looking at the previous deployment pipelines, uh, I would not have really wanted to poke them with a long stick, to be honest. But 10 stages. Wow. It must yeah. be so much better because it's so much more than three stages, right? Yeah. I still don't think the amount of stages is the main point, but yeah, no. keep, that, that is great, of course. You might need them in a specific case, but, you know, there's other good things about it as well. Absolutely. I mean, the, the customizability is, is huge. Being able to call them different things and also switch in and out, it's, it's definitely a, a step in the right direction. I mean, yes. th this, this can only benefit from love because it was a bit of a weird child from the beginning and, mm -hmm. and it has always felt like trying to force a square peg down a round hole because of the binary file format. But mm -hmm. eh, yeah. it, it, it's getting, it's definitely um, getting better. Very much so. Something that is absolutely getting better. And th this, this is huge. This is absolutely huge. And a, a sign that Power BI, it's already a very mature product but it is becoming even more mature in my view. So the model explorer has been updated in a quite remarkable way. There is a, a new way of looking at things. So in the, the model view, there is a model explorer inside of Power BI Desktop. This, this is in preview, by the way, but it's, it's, um, it's getting there. Not only can you very quickly see things in your, your model, you can search and you can essentially uh, see all your stuff, your, your entire semantic model in a tree map. Instead of having to try to find your, your measures and, and on calculation groups and what have you, it's there in a tree view. So you can very quickly look at specific things. Say that you want to mm -hmm. walk through your, your, um, your relationships and want to make sure that every relationship is, is configured the way you want it to. Now you can just look at the, uh, the relationships. And that's, that's a huge step in and of itself. There is also the support for creating calculation groups in Power BI Desktop. This is one of the biggest asks for a long time. Mm -hmm. when, when calculation groups came out, that's something that was um, based off a feature in analysis services. Uh, that existed mm -hmm. in analysis services that did not exist in the Power BI service. And then they added similar functionality, called it calculation groups. And we all said, this is the coolest thing ever. And then we figured out, well, you can't make any calculation groups. It kind of sucks to be you. Because mm -hmm. you needed the XML endpoint and you needed something like tabular editor in order to get in, in through the back door, if you will, on a model to add your calculation groups. In the beginning, tabular editor was not that much fun to work with. That has changed. It is now a wonderful piece of software. It's dead easy to create any changes to your model that you want. 
but now it is possible to create calculation groups inside of desktop, meaning that if you're one of the hopefully few, but unfortunate souls that do not have access to a tabular editor, mm. be it because you're not allowed in, in your corporate environment, you can now create calculation mm. groups inside a Power BI desktop. So you can still use the, um, the Microsoft supplied software. That sounds convenient. It's, it's super convenient and it has the same behavior. So this will discourage implicit measures as it is, is it, uh, mm. it's called, um, you, in my opinion, you should never use implicit measures anyways, but that's, <laughs> that's probably a discussion for another day. <laughs> so there are a lot of interesting examples. This was, uh, put in, um, well, put on the interwebs almost a month ago. So October the 16th, Zoe Douglas, one of the PMs, uh, wrote on the Power BI blog. And I think this is fantastic. So Power BI has come so long, far, and it is, despite all the, the hype being around Fabric, Power BI is chugging along and getting um, quality of life updates like you wouldn't believe. So really, really <laughs> happy and really, really excited to, uh, to start exploring this. And then <laughs> we come to the Fabric roadmap. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I mean, do I do I like Fabric as a product? Absolutely, I love it. Do I like the state Fabric is in? No, I don't, because I think it mm -hmm. is woefully incomplete, and it bothers me to no end that it is, according to Microsoft, nearing general availability, because in my view, it is nowhere near a state where you should put it into general availability. But it seems like nobody cares what I think. And I think that is probably a good thing in this case. They did release the release plan for different parts of, of Fabric and, and Synapse and all those things. And I think that's great. Um, on the one hand, you get to see all the cool things that are planned for the uh, the near and the far future. I mean, let's just look at the Synapse Data Engineering. We're going to see um, stuff like Lakehouse Data Security. That's going to come in Q2 2024. Schema Support, also Q2. Uh, Spark Auto-Tune, Q1. And Git Integration, Q4 2023, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of stuff coming. Mm-hmm. But there are so many things that are not there and that are mm -hmm. not going to get there anytime soon. I've done a ton of work with Synapse Pipelines uh, the last couple of weeks mm. and months, uh, which is kind of a fun thing because I, I never <laughs> wanted to know as much about Synapse Pipelines as I know now. Um, I, I have a redoubled um, respect for people like um, Katrina Wilhelmsen, who uh, mm -hmm. does this for a living and also seem to enjoy it. I need to figure out what the <laughs> secret is. Because things like on-premises data gateway support for data pipelines in Fabric, it's not slated until Q1. Mm -hmm. We don't have uh, complete parameterization 
for connections until Q1. Mm-hmm. I mean, their data factory Git integration for data pipelines slated for Q1. Come yeah. on, these are basic things that need to be in a in in an enterprise environment. Yeah, I think it's kind of the mentality that you can keep people uh, like excited about the product, knowing that these are actually coming. Uh, like because they are, I think, very critical things. And the funny thing is, we just talked about deployment pipelines, and there were these are in Power BI already, but they are coming into Fabric in Q4, for example. And a lot of the other security-related things, like uh, data source connectivity using workspace identity, Q1. So I, I think that's also like if we talk about a big enterprise organization that has a lot of security requirements uh, I think for them it's not going to be you know production ready but I think it might just keep people excited enough that they keep doing their experiments and things like that and planning for using it at a larger at a larger scale and uh, I agree with you there and I think that's that's fine Again, the, the product is phenomenal and it had already come so far since its inception. Mm. But why this crazy notion that it needs to go generally available? Clearly, it's not ready for production. So why is it my view of what generally available means that is off kilter or has that changed over the years? I don't know. Maybe we should get somebody from Microsoft to tell us what the GA means. You know, that is a great idea. I I think I have just the uh, the person to do that. Also, mm-hmm. I'll 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 reach out and see what uh, what they say. Yeah, I think that yeah. would be interesting. Yep. And the the, the final thing that I'm going to say about this, I sincerely hope that they do deliver on the support for Azure Key Vault, mm. which is mm-hmm. slated for Q1, which still <sighs> is not in there. Just saying. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's that's what I have uh, for you today. So I think we are ready to move to the sunnier side of the fence. <laughs> sunnier side of the fence. I don't right? know. <laughs> So uh, I have, again, things from the application side of Azure, and um, there's been some updates in various of the application-related services in Azure. So in Azure App Service, uh, there is now this support for gRPC. So for example, if in your application you need to have kind of for example, live events coming to the application interface. You could use the gRPC to have this two-way connection in place. Is RPC still stands for remote procedure calls? Yes. So it's really kind of having those that path for client-server communication. That's the main thing. So this is available in the Linux version of the app service that we have on Azure. And um, it has been something that in a past projects, we would have needed something like this in place. It would have made our life easier. There has been ways to implement this in Azure in other ways. 
as well. So it's not something that you haven't been able to do it, but it's maybe more natural to have that support in app service as well. The other app service update that is coming, and I found this announcement a little weird because it's saying, well, we are gonna, this is gonna come out at Ignite and we're gonna have a, a limited public preview of app service multiplan subnet join at Ignite. App service multiplan subnet join. That's <laughs> a lot of words. It is a lot of words. Uh, if anyone has ever had to configure networking for app services, both having uh, you know, in incoming traffic go through a private network as well as the outgoing traffic go through a private network. You have actually needed two different things in place. So for the incoming traffic, you've needed a private endpoint as we have in many other services. But the private endpoint is for incoming traffic. It does not actually route the traffic going out from that app service to your virtual network. So what you've needed in place is something called VNet integration for your app service. And previously that has been limited so that if you have multiple app service plan, you need separate subnets for each of them. So if you are building any kind of microservice architecture type thing in app service, and you would like to separate the those two different app service plans in, for example, production, it might make sense. Ah, uh, your networking configuration is gonna get a little bit horrendous. <laughs> a little bit horrendous, she says. <laughs> that that's not that's not good, I I I can imagine. Yes. So with this, you would be able to actually uh, configure multiple plans into the same subnet to uh, configure the VNet integration. And of course, that means then you need to think about the subnet sizing a little differently to accommodate for all of your plans that are going to use that subnet. All, all clear? <laughs> yep. And only because I, I have fairly extensive networking experience. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, I think with App Service, it has been the most confusing virtual network configurations ever that I can think of right now, at least. Maybe it's just fresh in my mind. Well, going to a much more newer service in Azure, we have the Azure Static Web App updates. Uh, this time it was kind of, uh, I would say in a way, very small updates, but also I think very useful updates. So since we're talking about Azure static web apps, it means that we have static content for that. So basically it is just files. So we have the addition of snippet support for Azure static web apps. And what that means is that you can specify code that is kind of injected to each page of your website without you having to do that in your code. So it is something Active that you configure. Pages. Yes. <laughs> something that you configure at the resource level in Azure, not kind of the content that you put into your Azure static web app. I think it's interesting and could really have its use cases. Huh. Because huh. we, yeah, I mean, I run my, my personal website on static web websites. Web apps? Uh, Native in Tech is, is a static website. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, interesting. Let's, let's see what we can do with this. Yeah. 
So like maybe something quite common use case would be like if you need any kind of analytics on your website or things like that, that could be one option. But there's many things that you could do with that. The second capability that you have is that we have traffic splitting for Azure Static Web Apps. So what that enables you to do, um, so you are able to kind of split your traffic between, for example, two in environments and specify how much traffic each of those should get. And that is very fitting for scenarios when we are, for example, rolling out a new feature and we want to maybe first test out how does it perform or how do users behave on that new implementation and so forth. Like so this A-B is kind testing. Of, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this would be so that you have kind of two versions of that application available at the same time, and then you split the user traffic between those two. So really helps you then uh, figure out what is actually the better way forward with that. And then lastly, I have some Azure Kubernetes service updates, which I added at the last minute because there had just dropped like a really long list of AKS updates actually today. So I picked only two of them because there were so long list and I could have talked just about AKS updates for the entire time that I had to use. So I decided to just pick two of them that uh, kind of, um, yeah, I thought are at least interesting. So the first one is that there is this new... Can, can I just point out that when Simon is away and we finally have no news about Intune, you have to drag AKS out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but AKS is still out there. People still use it, so they should have some news at least. Bring it. <laughs> so there is a, first of all, a new application routing add-on for Azure Kubernetes service. So those of you who have worked with AKS, you know that you always need to define an ingress controller for the incoming traffic. And one of those ways has been to use an Nginx ingress controller there. So what this new add-on does is it kind of expands on the capabilities of the regular Nginx ingress controller. So in addition to having the ingress controller capabilities, this is now kind of like a, a managed version of it that is easier to configure. And in addition to that, it provides integration with Azure DNS for both internal and public zone management. And then you are also able to link it with Azure Key Vault to configure SSL termination with certificates in the Key Vault. So I think this is really interesting to see and get a chance to use it in, in real life because I haven't tested it out yet. But sometimes setting up the ingress controllers and then also having DNS in place and so forth, it can be a bit of a hassle and have many moving pieces. So that will definitely ease that part of it. The other, I think, improvement that has come in, it's not really a new feature, but actually an improvement to the service, in my opinion, is that 
because there is always some cube Kubernetes reserved resources that you are are required to run on each of those nodes so that Kubernetes can then schedule the pods and figure out if there is enough space and capacity on a specific node and schedule those accordingly. So it always requires some, requires some space, but there has now been some optimizations that have been done so that the amount of cube reserved uh, capacity that it requires has been reduced. So, for example, the memory uh, can reduce up to 20%, depending on your, the node that you are using and so forth. So that is actually quite a substantial decrease in the amount of resources that those consume. And of course, then mean that you can you have more capacity to use on a single node and you are able to have like better usage of the resources that you have in your Kubernetes cluster. And that is always a good thing. For sure. And since there were a bunch more updates, but I'm not going to go through all of them to also <laughs> keep Alexander sane here. So I will also add a link to the AKS release notes into the show notes. So that is a very good resource. If you're using AKS, then you are able to see all the releases to AKS through that particular page. So a very useful resource. Awesome stuff. So I just thought of something that uh, mm -hmm. keeps keeps coming up more and, and more uh, these days. I, I told you that I, I'm doing a lot of work with um, Ash Data Factory and Synapse Pipelines. Mm -hmm. But the source is an ancient Oracle system from the <laughs> 90s. Don't talk about Oracle. Oh my gosh, I have horrors from it. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so, so do I. There's a reason why I don't work with Oracle anymore. But I find more and more and more that what really sets me apart from other consultants mm -hmm. is my experience of what today is, is considered weird stuff. And mm -hmm. I know so many things. I, I know networking. I know Oracle. I know, know mm -hmm. VPNs. And how, how do you, this is definitely going to be a, um, a focus segment down the line, but how do you, how do you train new people to become so flexible? Uh, because I, I, I refuse to believe that that kind of flexibility will die with our generation, so to speak, but it's, it's an interesting conversation, I think. Yeah. Very interesting. Do you want an answer now? Do we have time for that? <laughs> I don't think or we should do. we um, yeah, should we keep it in mind for a upcoming focus segment? Let's let's do that. I'm gonna add it to to our internal notes because I'm pretty sure that Simon wants to be a part of this uh, oh, as, yes. as well. Oh yes. Uh despite being the uh, or or maybe because he is the youngest um of us. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, uh we once again uh show that we are quite capable of filling 30 minutes just the yes. two of us. Yeah. Um, one of these days Pretty I am going that. to uh, to try to run my 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 own episode. Uh do 30 minutes just talking. <laughs> For some reason I I don't find that to be unlikely no. at all. No, I don't I think it's you can run over 30 minutes by yourself. <laughs> For sure. Well, that was a lot of fun. 
And um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Simon was not here, but he'll be back for not episode 245, but for episode 246. But until episode 245 next week, thank you so much for listening. Have a good one and uh, we'll see you in a bit. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Need Even Tech. Need Even Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needeventech.com.